This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Today, we're chatting with Miami writer and public relations expert, John P. David. He's the author of an important book about how managing your social media profile can be vital. The book's called How to Protect or Destroy Your Reputation Online. John will talk about how the last year has brought some serious social media challenges for more than a few big-name people. He'll tell us about some of the trends and explain what it means for the rest of us ordinary people who want to support our businesses and careers using social media. John will also talk about public relations trends in general and why some of the classic ways of communicating with your communities still do work. John, I tend to think of you as an online reputation guru because of your helpful book, how to protect or destroy your reputation online. But I do know that you run a full-service PR firm in Miami. And because not everyone is familiar what public relations experts do these days, can you tell us a bit about the kind of things you do for your clients and, and also how the public relations business has changed over the years now in this digital world? Uh, thank you um, very much for for having me and um, thanks for your your question and the the question is actually the both of those questions are the are are sort of the same these days because the public relations profession is constantly changing and uh, you know since the advent of the internet it's been um, in, in a pretty much a, a an ongoing state of uh, shifting around as traditional public relations has changed and new you know new technology comes online and um, the question becomes who is you know who's responsible for this within an organization or for a company and so what's what a tra- the traditional public relations firm has has changed because our, our mandate has shifted with the times so um, primarily what we do is look at kind of all aspects of communications for an organization um, we take on different parts of it uh, some of it might be you know uh, traditional media relations where we're you know interfacing with uh, with media outlets and looking for opportunities for our clients to be uh, to get media coverage or to publish articles or publish pieces or get on television and, and uh, or you know author articles and things like that um, and then it's also been shifting into social media and sometimes uh, public relations firms will assist clients with uh, uh, social media campaigns um, and for from for my firm I mean, we really look um, at the overall strategy of an organization so we want to look at you know, how they're communicating, who they're communicating with, are they doing it in, in an efficient manner? And then also keeping an eye on, okay, what do you do if something uh, kind of goes astray? You know, what if there's some, if there's a problem, how do you handle it? Um, and then that kind of has 
found its way to this you know online reputation world which is something that we also do so we often get called on when you know things start to when things kind of bubble up online and if for example there's you know negative online reviews or we've had companies that were you know attacked by rogue bloggers um and and all manners of things and we found that the that the industry is absolutely changing because of just the nature of what um of how people are are getting information you know there was a time way back when when you'd get your morning newspaper and that would define you know the the the, the agenda for the day um, and now we have this you know 24-hour news cycle and things are shifting every minute and um and so it's it's a uh, the profession has had has been you know trying to shift with it uh and there's just mul- there's now like many more kind of facets to the public relations industry than there there probably was, you know, when I started many years ago. I, it seems like not many years ago, I can remember some of my clients, even clients who were in business, being very resistant to doing anything in social media and saying that they had good reputations and they would advertise and they had public relations people, but they wouldn't do any of this social media business because they didn't need it because their reputations were good. That era is over, isn't it? I mean, if you're in business or if you have an active career, you have a social media presence, whether you think you do or you don't. Isn't that true? That's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. I mean, I, I think that, you know, you have, uh, organizations avoid social media at their peril. Um, there's conversations are happening online, whether you like it or not. A great example that's um, you know been in the news lately was this: the issues regarding Boeing and their um, their aircraft that was grounded by you know th- there were two you know two seemingly related plane crashes that the, the aircraft were grounded overseas, and then there was actually a, a some s- social media. Um, uh, uh, not really campaigns, but there were a lot of social media postings by individuals who were saying that, you know, Boeing should be, should be, uh, you know, grounding these planes in the United States. The United States should be, you know, the, the government should be make sure these planes are not in the air. And um, if you if you recall the, that story, you know, there was a delay in the time between these planes were grounded, you know, in Europe and other parts of the world and, and here. And a lot, uh, when we look back on that, that 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 aspect of the story, there was a there was a big social media outcry, and um, and the the response from Boeing was actually a little bit slow, um, and so there's you know these sort of like real life real time case studies which which say listen if you if you ignore it you could have you know a huge problem on your hands and um, even if you ignore it for uh, a day or so you know there there was a time when you think about a crisis or something and you know you'd have you'd have like the news cycle i was describing before you know you'd say okay well we need to get our information into the hands of the local television um you know i'm sorry the local newspaper reporters because you know their deadlines around three or four o'clock in the afternoon and then they have to you know get the story written and then it gets then it gets edited and then they put it on a press and it gets printed overnight and then you know it lands on people's doorsteps you know uh, six or seven in the morning the next day well now that news is out instantaneously and so if you don't respond to it and it's getting and it's 
being distributed in all different types of ways, not just by media outlets, which now have an, an instant platform, but by the average person on the street. So, so you have not only do you have this sort of twenty four seven news cycle, you also have this this twenty four seven social media feed, you know, um, which impacts everyone. We have a whole different um, whole different dynamic when it comes to communications these days, and companies and organizations have to be aware of that. And it's it's not just big time, huge corporations with their giant, sophisticated staffs, but individuals, or at least individuals with some kind of profile, are running into the same kind of crises. It it seems like in the last year there have been some oh serious social media challenges for more than a few well known people. Is, doesn't it seem like there's been a kind of big run of them? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's been a number of a number of instances where you know it happened. It's happened with a lot of celebrities and and the this phenomenon of folks kind of going back and looking back at what people said on social media years ago. Um, and you know, Kevin Hart as an example, the comedian um, who was um, you know who, who was going to host the Oscars, and then they you know some folks. Uh, kind of dredged up some some of his old um, um, tweets, which were uh, homophobic. And then he got into this controversy. You know, he had said he'd already apologized about this. He wasn't going to apologize anymore. How, you know, how much longer does he, how often does he have to apologize to, about something? Um, and they and they ended up, you know, he ended up not hosting the Oscars. And the similar thing happened um, with uh, uh, actress, comedian Sarah Silverman, where things were, um, some stuff that she'd said, you, you know, uh, years earlier was kind of dredged up again, and uh, you know, and it, and it, and the per- there was a group of folks that were sort of, you know, trying to get her uh, essentially fired from any work she's done at uh, Disney, for example. So um, this is something that you know, and it, the, the, you know, some these are like leader, these are like um, you know, kind of the leading edge of this stuff. You know, if it's happening to celebrities, it could definitely happen to you and me. You know, you could think that. You know, one of your that that a, a coworker could look at your social media posts and say, you know, back five years ago, so and so did said this on social media, and you know, maybe maybe they shouldn't get that promotion. Maybe that promotion should go to me instead. You know, you can just imagine that this is going to have this like trickle down effect, and uh, and it absolutely impacts individuals um, at all levels. So it's tempting, I know, for people just to say. Facebook's a mess. I'm going to quit Facebook. I'm just going to back away from all that stuff. But if you're a professional, maybe you have clients or maybe you want to have another job search someday or uh, maybe you want to connect with people in your field, you still need to have some kind of professional uh, presence online, even if it's scary. Do you have some suggestions about what the basics are for say, an individual professional uh, who wants to maintain a presence but make sure there's nothing that's scary or dangerous out there? Sure. I think, well, for professional people, I think the bare minimum is LinkedIn. Um, And you want to because that's where most people and business go start to search when they're looking for information about people. And so have an up-to-date LinkedIn profile and have, and, you know, and, and try to be active on, on, on these pro on these uh, these sites if you if you like but the, the sort of the bare minimum is that they 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 can find you on a site like that um you know the 
the overall rule that I like to tell people is that you know the, you want to take advantage of social media sites because they're high authority uh, sites with the search engines. And so when you want someone is, when someone's looking for you online, you want them to find you online, and they want but you want them to find the right things about you online. So if they are if they're searching for your name and they find your LinkedIn profile and they know what you look like or they know what your background is, they say, "Okay, this is the this is the person I'm looking for." And so once they've they've found you, you know, then they can reach out to you and then start that conversation. If they can't find you and you're making it hard for them to find you, then they're going to start digging deeper and going deeper, or you know, um, and maybe they find you know that crazy night that went off the rails when you were in high school or something, but. Or worse, even than that, is that then they and this, they can't find you, so they were gonna they wanted to hire you to do something, but they can't hire you now because they can't find you because you're trying to be, you know, invisible on social media. So I think the bare minimum is to have some presence so that when someone reaches out to you or wants to reach out to you, they can find you. I tell I tell executives, I said, listen, I want to I want to I want to be able to find you within you know two clicks on on Google. If I type your name into the search engine and I see up comes a company and I know that's where you work, I want to be able to click on that website and then find a phone number right away that that I can call where I can get to that where I can find you. You know, I don't want I don't want to have to fight to get to you know I don't want to have to fight to find someone online. And that because it just it streamlines the process, it makes it it's more appropriate in business that you should be reachable. Now, you don't have to give someone your direct you don't have to publish your direct line, but you should certainly publish a phone number where someone can call and leave a message for you and make it easy to find that kind of stuff online because otherwise you're opening things up for people to go dig dig and hunt around and and or and like I said or worse, hire somebody else. I love that uh, two-click rule. That's a good way of summing it up. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University is having an impact today while providing innovative education for tomorrow's leaders. The master's program in public administration and environmental studies leads students to greatness in nonprofit, environmental, public sector, and government settings. Learn to lead at the Voinovich School. We're now accepting applications. Information is available at ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. It gets more complicated, though, for people who might own small businesses. Now, I have uh, been in conversations just in the last couple of weeks with two acquaintances, each of which owns a small restaurant. In one case, the restaurant just opened up less than a year ago, and because of some great reviews and uh, various places and some lucky PR online, they are so booked now that I tried to make a reservation uh, yesterday, and I saw online that they're booked up until October. So that's one example. Good where, for them. Yeah, it's well, it's an amazingly good restaurant, but still through October. But the other folks, um, uh, the person I was talking with, had the opposite experience. The um, um, restaurateur is in an environment with a very sort of mean-spirited local politics. And 
somebody or a couple of somebodies on the other side of that local political line started a little campaign on and uh, posted a bunch of bogus, very negative um, uh, reviews on Yelp. And they were able, ultimately, I think, to get them taken off. So here are two people just going along, and their lives were changed significantly because of these various review sites. And, and these are just, these are small businesses. They don't have big or any staff for managing their their online presence. Do you have any advice for people who, who might be in a retail or food business or any kind of business that's likely to get local reviews? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, the reviews usually are, you know, um, the the reviews are typically you know pretty much accurate, right? I mean, in other words, if you're if you go to the, the the a lot of times you go to a restaurant, you get you know you might get bad service. The food might not be great. You know, there might be nine positive reviews and one negative review, that kind of thing. If there's you know if there's if there's a hundred reviews and eighty and eighty seven of them are bad, then they probably have a problem in the kitchen, right? So the the you can't just blame the review site um, all the time. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, most businesses, they, they need to be monitoring that. Now, most small restaurants, local restaurants, um, you know, they're not going to get, you know, um, 100 reviews a day or, or 10 reviews a day. But it's, but it's certainly something, you know, the, the, the review sites themselves will will email notifications to um to the folks who are running the to the like the restaurant owner, general manager, employee who's in charge who you put in charge of um, social media, so you can get those notifications, so you can see what's being said about you when it's being said. So you have to you, those are tools that are part of that that like sites like Yelp have that you you need to register your site on Yelp, you need to claim your your site on Yelp, and then start using those online tools to so that you can get um, the best you know the best advantage of it, take the best advantage of it. So, um, but absolutely the the owner of the restaurant or the general manager of the restaurant needs to be regularly looking at that. A lot of restaurant owners that I know, that's like part of their first thing they do in the morning. They get they get to work or they're while they're checking their emails in the morning before they go to work, they look at the reviews and they make sure that everything is, you know, looks looks good enough, you know, that they've and if it's a, if they have a negative review, they respond. And if it's a positive review, they respond and say thanks. Um, and then, you know, kind of move on with their day. I think everybody who is in particularly the restaurant business just has to be attuned to those things. But in addition to that, you and I chatted not long ago and we were talking about things you can do other than social media and and reviews. And you made the point that even though you have to be online, you have to take care of your online reputation, that doesn't mean that the old ways have disappeared. There, There's still things that you can do to build the reputation of, of your business using uh, very old school methods. Can Can you give us some ideas for, for maybe small business owners who uh, maybe they're in a, like a, a rural community where there's not so much attention focused on online. How, how do you get the word out? Sure. I mean, I think that that well, in every in every market, I mean, there's there's a, there's a there's still journalism out there, right? There's still small newspapers, community newspapers, and things like that. So I think that's one. Um, and then you know, using the old traditional um, traditional advertising channels, I think makes makes a lot of sense. Um, and then I think one area that 
for for businesses that um, are in you know in, in that are in a have a narrow focus. I mean, there's trade media outlets that are out there, and there are all these all these all these organizations are looking for um, are looking for content, and so. You know, a lot of times, you know, this was something that may have not worked, you know, years ago. But you know, you might approach a publication and say, "Listen, I'd love to. I can, I can write something about, you know, this topic for your publication." And they, uh, a lot of uh, outlets will say, "Sure, we'd love to. We'd love to accept something, or at least we'll consider it." So there's things like that that you can do. Um, and I think also there's a there has been a return to you know sort of these old you know the, the, these these old techniques. So you know if someone writes you a personal letter these days, you you know it, it catches your attention a lot more so than an, an email. You know, um, and there's even some email marketing companies that are that are that are adding in direct postal mail components. So there's a lot of things like things like that that are starting to come back a little bit because again it's a, you know we're so used to seeing um we're so used to sort of absorbing all this information online and i think like one of the things i was telling you about was i was you know getting i, I got some direct mail recently from a you know from a place that was you you think they would just want you to order online but they're actually saying you know listen we're sending you these coupons if you come in the store and i think they know that if i come in the store i'll probably spend more and so that that's one of the, you know so so there's lots of different things there's things you can do which are kind of a little more you know maybe a little bit more old school like you know traditional direct mail or traditional advertising or kind of traditional media relations that work for work for companies i think there's um something almost there is something tangible if you receive something nice in the mail i received a thank you note not long ago from a young woman and it came on really nice stationary with a monogram and you know nice paper stock the kind of thing I haven't seen from many young people recently and I um, commented on it later and so I thanked her for a thank you note and commented how how lovely it was that she had these beautiful it was a kind of a card a thank you card with a monogram and she said that um, that a lot of her friends have started writing thank you notes and things again. And she said, it's not just a message. She said, I don't think of it as just a message. She said, I think of it as a little gift. If somebody has taken the time to present you with a, a note that's that's attractive and handwritten, it's my way to give you a small gift to show that I really do mean my thanks. And I, I thought that was a lovely idea. Without a doubt, without a doubt, and I think that that um, I had a um, uh, one of my employees went to go. Um, uh, she had to do some type of a placement test or something. She went. She went to graduate school, and she had to go take this placement test. And or if there was some, I forget the exact details of it. But basically, she went and it was an alumni of the school she wanted to go to. And it was she. She went and met with this this person, and she had to go do this interview, and then also you know take this some type of placement test and um and then afterwards she you know um she, she sent a thank you note and the um the alumni person said you know had been doing this for you know 15 years it was the first time he'd ever gotten a thank you note from one of the applicants and you know just distinguish yourself it's a way of distinguishing yourself and it shows now it shows that you're um it's show, showing you know listen i care about this this is important to me you know and i think that we have 
some of that is some of that is lost in the digital world when you kind of get you get emails and you say, you know, yeah, this looks like it was addressed to me, but you know, there may there might be five thousand other ones out there that look just like this. So I think that um, that personal touch uh, is something that that the businesses can do um, to to set themselves apart, and that people can do to set themselves apart. I'm, I completely agree with you. You mentioned. Um, an employee in graduate school, which reminds me of something that maybe uh, maybe we can close with. I I think public relations is it's a lot more complicated than it was when I was in journalism school some time ago, and I I'm not sure if people have a good idea of what collections of skills and experience do they need to have to get into the business. What's your advice for people who maybe they're just starting out in college and uh, trying to think about what they want to do, or maybe they want to make a mid-career shift and feel like this might be a good field for them. What's a good way to develop the the skills and uh, the the profile that would help launch a career in public relations? Well, I think there's a there's a few different things. I think one is that you know the that public relations is still traditionally you know taught in journalism schools and you know you always have to think about how you communicate and how you're how you how you write and how you communicate and and I think that that's a critical a critical part of you know in, in the end you ha- you want to be if you're going to be a public relations person you really want to be a good communicator which means you know knowing simple things you know knowing your grammar and knowing how to structure things and know how to knowing how to write good you know compelling copy and you know and type tight compelling copy things like that i think that's still a, that's still a, a skill that translates you know whether or not you're writing a press release or a speech or newsletter copy or a social media post or anything like that um, that's number one and number two is to really be on top of the technology and things that are happening because it's just things are shifting so fast that you know there's um, you know the, you know one day there's a there's a hot social media platform and the next day it's gone um, and some things are appropriate for some audiences and some things are not so you have to kind of understand what's happening and be a student of what's happening. Um, the next is that 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 the lines are all blurry between like you know these jobs. I mean there's there was a time when you know you would you know. Uh, uh, a newspaper reporter would show up from a from a newspaper, and then a TV reporter would show up with a camera, and a radio person would show up with a microphone, you know. And now it's just as likely to be that's the same person. So that that the that the new the person who's working for the so-called newspaper is also taking video, and you know the the video is going to end up the, the the TV station is going to put a a post online with video, but it's also going to be written. So those lines are all sort of blurred, and so you really have to have an understanding of things like, you know, how do you how do you take a video? How do you take a good photograph? How do you take how do you you know all those things? And I think that public relations folks need to have a have a, a broad understanding of all those of, of of all those aspects. And then I think the final thing is to really be look at to be, to understand the big picture of communications and how. Every aspect of a of a company, um, all the different aspects of companies that have a, have an impact on, on on reputation and on image. So I think that's excellent advice. It it all starts with writing. You if you don't know how to write, if you haven't uh, worked on that skill, um, you can't you can't do much. But from there, you have to 
understand the technologies and, and be cross-trained so you know a bunch of them and then you have to see the big picture to put it all in context. That's a, I think that's a good um, starting point for people who might be thinking about this. John, this was great. It was, it was so fun to talk with you and you've, um, I think, shared lots of helpful advice. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Always great to talk to you. Today, we've been talking with PR expert John P. David about important ways to protect your reputation. Today's career tip is that everyone has an online presence, even if you aren't managing it. If you care about your career, it's smart to search for your name online and see what comes up. Part of owning your career is curating your reputation. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. If you have questions or suggestions for our show, please let us know. You can write to me directly at beverlyejones at me.com. That's B-E-V-E-R-L-Y-E-J-O-N-E-S at M-E dot com. Thank you.